Proverbs 21. As I was wondering what the Lord would have us think about this morning, and I, I worked at it and thought about it, and because I thought we might do some book, but then at this time of year it's probably not a good idea to start a book, because you might get the odd stranger here, so I thought then we'd just talk about Proverbs 21. And I wrote down the, the, the some rules some rules for life. And then, strangely enough, the post came in yesterday morning. And I have a pastor friend in Northern Ireland who sends me his church newsletter. He's a great character. But it was different this week. And funny enough, or this month, and it says 38 rules of life explained. <laughs> and I had put on the top of my little talk, rules, some rules for life and I, I looked at this and I said maybe I'll get something from this but it's not exactly what I thought it might be it says one of the rules here is change is inevitable except for vending machines <laughs> and when, when you were talking about the wedding you were at it said love may be blind but marriage is a real eye opener <laughs> so really I, it wasn't exactly what I thought but here was one, I intend to live forever, so far so good. And you know, I thought that was quite interesting because that is the attitude of a lot of people, isn't it? They, they go through life as if they intend to live forever, so far so good, and uh, that's it. But my rules and the rules that are in, the, in Proverbs 21 are slightly different from Eddie's. So we read uh, Proverbs 21, a few verses. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord... As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Every man, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord pondereth the hearts. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. A high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of every one that is hasty only to want. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. The robbery of the wicked shall destroy them, because they refuse to do judgment. The way of a man is forward and strange, but as for the pure, his work is right. And that's all we read, the first eight verses there. We won't get through them all, but we'll start by number one. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. Who is the ruler of man? It's the Lord, isn't it? We've been looking at that over the past uh, weeks. And we've seen in recent times how God rules in the affairs of men. But I think we want to look at this verse, uh, that God will direct those who put complete faith and trust in him, where he wants us to be most beneficial, to enable us, uh, and to enable his vineyard to be fruitful. The picture here, actually, this river that is talking about here, these waters... Uh, the rivers of water the thought is of an irrigation a farmer irrigating his fields 
And it says he, he turns it whithersoever he wants it. He, he directs the water where it is most needful. And that's a little bit like our life. If we have committed our life completely to God, he will direct it and direct us into the direction where he wants us to go and where it will be most fruitful for his benefit. It's the same idea in Psalm uh, 1, the first Psalm. It says he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. The rivers of water in Psalm 1 are apparently the same idea. The irrigation streams will be directed to that tree and that tree will then become fruitful. But it must be, first of all, we have to acknowledge him. In all thy ways acknowledge him. It says, and he shall direct thy paths. He'll direct us. He'll direct the, the water in the direction he wants us in which he wants us to go. But then there is the thought too that I am the true vine, Jesus said, and my father is the husbandman. There is a sense that uh, he, he, is the, he is the one who directs us. It's the, the man, the husbandman, he's the one who directs the water wherever he wants it to go within his vineyard. And he will direct us if we will commit our lives to him. And of course there is also the sense that we are the vine dressers. We're the ones who are the vine dressers. We're responsible for the vines in our care. For those of us who have Christian, uh, who have children or who have friends, those whom God has put into our circle of friends, we are responsible to God for them in, in a sense. Because we have to witness for them the way God has worked it out and the way it has been worked out that we are the lights of the world and we have to shine and direct the light of God to the people with whom we come in contact day and day day by day you know we're all called to labour for God in the harvest field we're all called not just one or two people everyone is called are we helping to bring in the harvest are we helping to bring in the sheaves? We used to sing that hymn, didn't we? Bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. But are we bringing in the sheaves? We must ask ourselves that. Jesus said the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Have a look at Luke chapter 13. fruit, it's a waste of space 
It's a waste of space. Are we producing fruit for God? Or are we a waste of space? I remember when I was in Calcutta in the back of the little office where Rose and Y had their, their sort of headquarters. They had a lot of kids practicing for the service on the following Sunday. Now these kids normally spoke Hindi or Bengali or something, but they, were, they all spoke a bit of English as well. They were singing a hymn and preparing for the hymn. And this is what they sang. The time of the harvest was ended and the summer of life was gone. When in from the fields came the reapers, called home by the dip of the sun. I saw each bearing a burden of toilsomely ingathered sheaves. They brought them in love to the master, but I could bring nothing but leaves. The years that he gave I had wasted, nor thought I how soon they would fly. While others toiled hard for the harvest, I carelessly let them slip by. I idled about without purpose, nor cared I, but now how it grieves. While others brought fruit to their master, I found I had nothing but leaves. Then soon from my dream I was wakened, and sad was my heart, for I knew that though my life's day was not over, ere long I would bid it adieu. I started in shame and in sorrow, I turned from the sin that deceives. Henceforth I must toil for the Saviour, or maybe bring nothing but leaves. I could bring nothing, nothing but leaves. I could bring nothing, nothing but leaves. While others came in with our bright golden sheaves, I could bring nothing, nothing but leaves. came looking for fruit and he said why why bother it's a waste of space cut it down let's go back to the second verse in Proverbs 21 every way of a man is right in his own eyes but the Lord pondereth the hearts Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but Jehovah measures the hearts. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. You know, in Judges, we read this, in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And that's the way it is, isn't it? You know, I was listening to a program on the radio the other day and it was about a book, a horrible book which has been produced for teenagers and they were justifying it and uh, sort of saying, well, it's up to everybody to work their own way out and, and things. And everyone has their own ideas of what is right. And you always think, well, my ideas are the right ones. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. In 2 Kings 17.41, we've looked at this before, we, we have the, the verse which says, 2 Kings 14, uh, 17 and verse 41, it says, So these nations feared the Lord, 
and serve their graven images. They feared the Lord and yet they served their graven images. And that's the way it is, isn't it? We claim that we fear the Lord and we trust Him and we worship Him, but then the rest of our lives we just do what we like. And these were the Samaritans, wasn't it? These were the people, the, the, the children of Israel had, in the northern province, they'd been taken away captive and they had put back into the land people from Samaria and elsewhere, people from other countries back into Samaria and elsewhere. And these people had a form of religion, but they kept on worshipping their own gods. It's an interesting story. Read it when you go home. But that's why the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans, because the, the, although they had a form of religion, they still maintained their own graven images. These nations feared the Lord, and they served their graven images. And we can't do both. We can't do both if we want to be directed by the Lord, as it says in verse 1. If God is going to direct us and show us the path to go, we can't serve him and also worship graven images. Proverbs 16, just back a few verses, uh, chapters, it says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. 16.25 There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Every man, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. And then it says, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. The Lord measures. The Lord estimates. The Lord balances. The Lord weighs man's heart. When he estimates what your heart is, he doesn't estimate it like the way people do nowadays. The, the, the ill-fated dome, they, they estimated that so many people would come to it every week and every year. And it was, it was all wrong. When God estimates, when God weighs, when God checks your heart, he does it with justice and accuracy. He knows our hearts. We, we, have that, we know the story so well of the writing of the wall, don't we? You're weighed in the balance. You're weighed in the balance of God's weigh, weighing scales. And how do we weigh up? It says, every man that does what is right, he thinks what he does is right, but God weighs it up. Remember, God is weighing us up constantly to see if we measure up and balance out on his scales. Verse 3, another proverb. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Go back to 1 Samuel 15. <clears throat> Saul had been anointed king and he, he, he was started off so well didn't he but it came to the, the, the was going, they were going to attack the Amalekites and Samuel had given him instructions as to how to attack the Amalekites 
and he had laid out very strict instructions. The Amalekites had caused trouble to Israel years and years ago and God hadn't forgotten this. And so he, he gave instructions. Smite the Amalekites and utterly, utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass, everything. They were to be wiped out. And so Saul set to and they attacked the Amalekites and small Saul in verse 7 smote the Amalekites and he took Agag the king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and of the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them but everything that was vile and refuse that they destroyed utterly everything that was vile got rid of it and then Samuel arrived on the scene and Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him blessed be thou of the Lord I have performed the commandment of the Lord I've done what you asked me to do. <laughs> Samuel says, What's this noise I hear of all the bleating of the sheep? Oh, he said, Those, that's all right. He said, uh, the, the people have kept the best of them. They're going to sacrifice those to the Lord. They've kept the best of the sheep to sacrifice uh, and the, the oxen. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. And it must have been a bit of a shock. To Saul. Because Samuel said. Well first of all Saul said to Samuel. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And have gone the way which the Lord sent me. And have brought Agag the king of Amalek. And have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, and the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Lucky he didn't look, look, he, look he didn't say. Observe that he didn't say, My God. He said the Lord thy God. Strange, isn't it? And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, it is better to obey than sacrifice and to hearken than to the fat of lambs. It is better to obey. That's what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to go off on tangents to do the best as we see it to do what we think is right in our eyes he just wants us to obey trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey Saul had his own agenda but it wasn't God's agenda it looked quite a good idea to keep a lot of these the best of them and offer them and sacrifice them to the Lord but no it wasn't God's plan 
And we must be careful that when we do things, that we are doing them in accordance with God's will, and not in accordance with our will. It might seem a good idea. You know, Paul had the same thought in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, first priority is our, our total love and dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul's saying, alright, I might, I might give everything to the poor, I might uh, give my body to be burned, offer, you know, stand out against persecution, but if I, if I don't love him, do you love me? That's what Jesus said to Peter. Do you love me? Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. If you love me, keep my commandments. In Micah 6 it says, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what the Lord doth require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before thy God. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before thy God. Let's go back. The fourth proverb. Chapter 4. A high look and a proud heart and the ploughing of the wicked is sin. Three sins. And three sins that we should be aware of and avoid. A high look. A high look. Haughtiness. A haughty spirit. Proverbs 16 verse 18. Pride goeth before destruction. Pride goeth before a fall. Many a time we were told that when we were kids in school. Pride goes before a fall. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Oh, it won't be long till he's knocked off his pedestal. You know. But it's true. It's true. As soon as we promote ourselves and be haughty in spirit, beware. There's a fall coming. Proverbs 18.12 Before destruction is the heart of a man Before destruction the heart of a man is haughty and before honour is humility. Yes, if we exalt ourselves we're in for trouble. You know we read a few weeks ago and it's nearly worth reading it again I, I, I thought it was amazing. Uh, the women of Jerusalem, who they, they, they were being, uh, Isaiah was, was preaching against the, the haughtiness of the women of Jerusalem because what they were doing was haughtiness. 3.16, Isaiah 3.16. Because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with stretched forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go and making a tinkling with their feet. Just imagine them. 
Therefore the Lord will smite with the scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will discover their secret parts. In that day the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments about their feet and their calls and their round tears like the moon. The, the chains and the bracelets and the mufflers, the bonnets and the ornaments of the legs and the headbands and the tablets and the earrings, the rings and nose jewels, the, the, the changeable suits of apparel and the mantles and the wimples and the crisping pins, the glasses and the fine linen and the hoods and the veils. And instead it shall come to pass that instead of a sweet smell there shall be stink. And instead of a girdle a rent, and instead of a well-set hair baldness, and instead of a stomacher a girding of sackcloth and burning instead of beauty. They were being haughty. And God said, because they're so haughty, they're going to be brought down. Beware of a haughty spirit. A proud heart is the next thing it says in that verse. A high look and a proud heart. Proverbs 16 verse 5. Everyone proud in heart. And this is very strong. You know what it says in one of the translations. Everyone of a proud heart is disgusting to Jehovah. Isn't that amazing? It's disgusting to Jehovah. Can't stand people who are proud. We've nothing to be proud about. All our righteousnesses, the Bible tells us, are just like filthy, filthy rags. The proud in soul stirs up strife. That's true too. A proud person causes problems with other people. The writer in the Proverbs knew a lot about life, didn't he? But he who is trusting on Jehovah shall be abundantly satisfied. Proverbs 28:25. The proud stirs up strife. But we will have complete rest and peace and trust if we trust in Jehovah. And finally it says here, the plowing of the wicked is sin. The works of the wicked, all the works of the wicked are sinful. And we shouldn't be associating with the works of those in the world. That's what it's really saying. Another translation is the lamp the lamp of the wicked uh, the whole life of the of the wicked people around us is sinful we shouldn't try and emulate what they do we should try and emulate and follow the Lord Jesus Christ 2 Corinthians 6 14 says be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness they're in a different realm. They're under a different commander. They're in a different army. We have joined the forces of the Lord, God of hosts. The kingdom of lightness. Kingdom of righteousness. And we have no fellowship with the kingdom of darkness. We meet with them. We meet. We are friends with them. But we have... We don't emulate them. It says here, the plowing of the wicked is sin. The living of the wicked, the way they operate. They've got different standards than we have. 
union hath light with darkness. I haven't tired you any further, but you know, the Proverbs, it's a long time since we've spoken about any of the Proverbs, but let's go back to the first one, which I think is the key to all the others. Let us make sure that we have allowed the Lord Jesus to direct our lives in the way that he wants us to be the most fruitful for him. That he may guide us where he wants us to go and that we will be there producing fruit for him. Remember that little hymn. We'll just finish with the chorus of it again. Because it's very solemn, isn't it? He had that dream and seeing people bringing in golden sheaves. But he could bring nothing but leaves. I could bring nothing, nothing but leaves. While others came in with their bright golden sheaves, I could bring nothing nothing but leaves oh may we be bringing in the bright golden sheaves and not be bringing in nothing but leaves